Thanks for joining me today, Anna. Really do appreciate it. We're going to ask you a few questions, but the first one, which I think is probably the most entertaining for me, is tell me about your background and your and what you do day to day in 30 seconds. I've just messed up the timer, but it's fine. Um, 30 seconds, okay. 30 seconds, yeah. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so uh, my name is Anna and I'm Willis Scroft from Market Avenue and I am a strategic storyteller, as I like to call myself, or aka a copywriter. So I write words that tell um, an enticing story about a business that helps to sell their products and services. And I do that by writing copy for web pages, blog articles, ebooks, uh, white papers, and anything really to help those key messages get out and connect businesses with their customers. And you keep it short and sweet, which is a good question to do. <laughs> that was quite nerve-wracking looking at that time. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's something I, I actually got off um, Stephen Bartlett when he does his interviews. And it, it works really well because it's better than just lifting off someone's website and going, "Yeah, uh, this, is, this is what Anna does, for example. Yeah, and my website's been redone at the moment, so it's not the best resource to look at either to get a picture <laughs> of what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Drop Anna an email instead if you want to know more. Yeah. Um, so what I want to find out today is basically what copywriting is all about, why you should not write the copy yourself or why you should advise not writing the copy yourself yeah. uh, and also how good copy can actually turn website visitors into customers. Mm -hmm. We start on that first question. So what actually is copywriting? I suppose from a, from a business point of view, copywriting is really trying to find that tone of voice that matches your business, the products and services that you sell, so the solution that you provide with what the customer is looking for. So it's just, it's matching a personality really to a business so that it connects with a customer. Yeah, it, it's really just being consistent in what you put out there. So copywriting forms all of the marketing materials that um, go out in the open world to reach the customer it can also be the internal voice that a business has with their employees even their suppliers and it just sort of it, it kind of pinpoints the proposition of a company really you know what they're about why they're different for competitors and why a customer should deal with them over somebody else really and it's it's developing I guess the the brand assets of a business but using the written word as opposed to it just being a logo and the design of something, you know, the two really do work side by side. Yeah, one thing I spoke to Craig Hancock about at More Than Just Design was obviously it is more than just a logo. Uh, yeah. And that's part of the reason that myself, Rob, Craig and Steve set up the, the Creative Marketing Hub to mm. display that message because, you know, there's no point, you know, having a logo and then typing up the copy yourself where you know, you might not be displaying the right message that you think you're, you're wanting to display. Words mean everything. I mean, you know, I've read websites before where I've got a quarter of the way through and I've just gone on the first page, I've just gone, this isn't worded right or yeah. it's not appealing to me. And then I'll instantly click, click off and go on the next one on Google, for example. Yeah, uh, which, yeah if it doesn't kind of connect you with you within the first few seconds, you've, you've lost somebody completely. Yeah. Mm. And you can have it, you know, you can have as, as pretty a design as possible and, you know, some brilliant animation on there that really just, you know, wow somebody. But if you're not saying the right thing, you, you, they just switch off and, as you just say, you move on to the next person. Yeah, so I guess that moves quite well into my next question, which is how does copy, or how can copy, sorry, write? Let me, let me just walk up that bit. Put your teeth back in. 
or we might just leave it in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how how um, can you? I actually can't speak today. <laughs> it's still too early, Joe. It can't. A little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Um, so, how can the copy say on your website turn the visitors? visiting uh, into potential customers or people who are going to inquire i think that quite often when you you go to a website you've got you've got some sort of intent you know you're visiting there because you've got a problem and you want to find a solution for it or maybe you've really enjoyed something you want to kind of expand on that pleasure that you've been experiencing or something um, so really you want to you know you go into a website and you want to find that thing that you're looking for within a few seconds or the, what, what you're reading and what you're seeing from the company really does just need to say to the person, yes, they can help me and they understand what I'm going through. So I think it's the words really that will attract the customer and, and kind of draw them in. But then equally, you need to have within words and the graphical elements some kind of call to action. And, you know, the navigation of the website needs to be positioned in a way that the customer can actually inquire as well because you know <laughs> there's quite a lot of websites out there where you know they are written quite well but then you can't find how to speak to somebody there's no telephone number on there you know you go to actually find out where they are you can't find any information to contact them so you know it really does need to be a combination really of saying the right thing being persuasive so that you can connect to them and and then just drive them in the direction that actually you want the customer to you know what do you want them to do next yeah, so kind of what you look at is a bit more than just the words on a website. It's it's the position to get someone who lands on the website or mm. you know, picks up a brochure or looks yeah. at a social media post to actually inquire or click through. Yeah, I, I approach it from, from that point of view. When you look at website copy, for example, you need to sort of think about, well, you know, the who, what, when, where, why and how type questions, you know, those typical journalist type questions really, but you need to have that in your mind as to you know what does the customer want to know from you and then that needs to be converted into the words that are on your website because if you don't address the needs of the customer then again you've you've lost them and I think that's where a lot of people fall down you visit a website and it's all about well we do this you know, we were founded here we've got a huge factory where we do x y and z but that's all about the company. There's, there's nothing about the customer there. So for one thing, this is why it's important sometimes to either get help or not write the words yourself. It, it just needs to be twisted around. So it's, you know, you're addressing the customer as soon as they land on the page. You know, you, have you experienced this? Are you frustrated with this? Does this concern you? You know, get rid of all of the we do this, we do that, we do the other. Keep that just for the about page if that's what you really want to to get out there and I think that's why it's you know why a lot of websites probably lose customers because they just don't connect they're not saying the right thing yeah I think it's going in on that is actually that people's favorite topic is themselves uh, yeah. and they can deny it but it's the thing you know they know most about or think they know most about mm -hmm. and therefore when you're writing about your business you know it shouldn't be like a, a biography or autobiography whichever one's the right the right term it should be about, as you say, how you can help that customer mm. fix their problem. Yeah. Uh, it's like with sales, you know, in sales, you have to, you should look at it in the way of, well, what problem, what pain point have they got and what you're solving rather mm. than, you know, what do you do as a company? They, exactly. they don't care yeah. until they actually have, have spoken to you. Yeah. 
the pains and the pleasures really are, you know, the, the buying decisions that, that the customer has got. They've got a problem. It's causing them some pain. And they've either got that pain now or they've got that pain in the future. And the same with the, the sort of pleasure aspect, which probably isn't quite the same as, as the pain, but they've enjoyed something and they want to enjoy it even more in the future. Or, you know, from a business point of view, perhaps, you know, they, they want more sales. Therefore, they are thinking about the future that the more sales is going to bring to them. So, you know, for the owner-managed business, it will give them a little bit more free time, you know, a little bit more life balance. And that's why they want to attract more customers because, you know, it's kind of helping them out with their their personal pleasures, if you like, and their personal goals. So, yeah, I mean, the pains and the pleasures is, is the ideal thing to sort of centre the copy around by addressing those who, what, when, where, why, how type questions. I think also getting in there, you know, facts and figures and proof of the pudding, you know, why should somebody buy something? Well, you know, it's helped XYZ people to do XYZ. You know, thinking about those things, bringing testimonials into the, <coughs> excuse me, into the copy on the website as well. So, you know, you're bringing in that sort of social proof element, that um, peer recommendation as well. You know, these are all little things that sometimes people forget about including on their website. And, and you know, even leaflets and brochures and things as well, that sort of thing is, is good testimonials, facts and figures. So with the difference between digital copy and print copy, is there a difference in the way you should be or the way you would be writing that or is it, or is it pretty much the same? Um, no, I think there is some differences because yes, on online copy, you know, you've, you've, you've kind of got less time almost to win that customer over. But equally, you do have a little bit more space for if you want to expand on what you want to tell the customer. So, you know, you might have a really succinct web page as the home page, but then you've got a few click through options where people can go and read a little bit more because I think you have to think about the different personalities of people as well some people just want the bare vote you know how is this going to help me so for those people you need lots of headlines but then you've also got those people that well I'm, you know, I'm a little bit untrustworthy I've not heard of this company before you know do you really do what you say you're going to do those people need a little bit more information and they are the ones that are going to need the facts and figures because they need to be won over a little bit more with print copy you know leaflets you really do just need to kind of say what you do in a couple of paragraphs and that's it because you know a leaflet is a leaflet and you've got you need a strong call to action a strong headline tiny little bit of information in there and, and really that's all that you've got to play with the same with social media posts as well but of course with the social media posts you can always go and link through to have more so i think it, it is slightly different obviously you know it's the same tone of voice for the business, um, so you can't deviate from it too much, but I think you do need to think about there's maybe slightly different approaches involved. Yeah, no, totally. One question that I really wanted to ask, and I kind of already know the answer, but uh, I think it's good for, for a lot of people to, um, to know from a specialist in the field, which is, should you be writing different copy for LinkedIn to Facebook to Instagram? to Twitter? Yes. <laughs> yes, in a nutshell. I mean, you know, not only is the, the different demographics of people on different social media platforms, but, you know, LinkedIn clearly is business community. You know, you're a little bit more sort of B2B on there for sure. You know, B2C is definitely more on your 
Facebook and your Instagram. I mean, having said that, you know, all sorts of businesses really, they could still have a presence on all of the the profiles, but they do need to be writing different copy because, um, you know, when you look at Instagram, it's very visual orientated. So, you know, that everything there really is in the graphic that goes on there and probably just the headline element that's the text within the graphic. LinkedIn, I think you can go into a little bit more detail because you've got the post articles and things. So, you know, you can really get across a bit more of the long form copy on there and people are interested in you as the person. So the personality needs to come across a little bit more. Whereas I think Facebook really is ideal for a lot of product businesses, particularly with the advertising platform that's on there. And yeah, how you address the customer, a lot of it's going to be in the headline in the first few words, but some social platforms allow you to obviously expand on that a little bit more. That was quite a long answer to that question, wasn't it? <laughs> Should I just talk with yes? <laughs> <laughs> no, no it's, it is important though, because a lot of people just be posting, say, on one platform, for example, yeah. and then sharing it to all the others or reposting it on yeah. all the others. Uh, and one of the key things that people do wrong is on LinkedIn, they'll post the same thing on their company page as their personal. Yeah. Uh, and that should be, in my personal opinion, and you can dis- obviously disagree with me if I'm wrong, but uh, you know, the tone of voice from a company should be totally different than, say, my tone of voice because yeah. people will buy into me. Yeah. Where if they have come across unknown marketing, if they've ever known unknown marketing, or they don't know that I'm involved in unknown marketing, but they found them on Google or whatever, they're going to want to hear it as if it's from a company, not yeah. from me as a person. Yeah. Yeah, I so, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, my personal LinkedIn, I, I get a little bit more, shall we say, vulnerable on the personal side. I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, where I'm coming from and what my thoughts are, whereas the company page is a bit more about you know, copywriting tips, word of the day. You know, it's all sort of laid out more corporately. Whereas, yeah, the personal, I think with the personal side, certainly from from my business, from my point of view, because of the type of customers that I want to be working with, I do want them to know about where my opinions lie and what my interests are in a little bit more because I, I think, you know, people still buy from people and that's important on LinkedIn. So that that personality does need to come across. Yeah, that was I, I had that conversation with someone recently when we were talking about their thoughts on homeworking and whether a lot of yeah. companies will go back to homeworking. Uh, and, you know, I believe that quite a few will, not back to, but towards homeworking environments instead. Yeah. But I think potentially the way it will work is because people still want offices at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. They'll still want to manage their staff in-house. Yeah. But, and I've kind of lost where I was going with this a little bit, but it's still that kind of thing of people buy from people. People yeah. still want to go, and meet face to face because that's just how the human race works. Uh, we're not all going to all of a sudden live in live at home twenty four seven and never go and meet anyone you're doing business with. Yeah, because, um, yeah. Ultimately, we're 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 social creatures, aren't we? We and I was I was talking to someone the other day about the Have you heard about the the six essential human needs, which is an Anthony Robbins. Thing. Heard about it, but I couldn't tell you them. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think now. Now I've started this thread, what the actual six needs are, but they're sort of the first two sets, if you like, of paradoxes. You know, you can't have one without the other, but you need the right balance. 
So you need a certain level of, of certainty, but also uncertainty. And then also you need a certain level of connection, which I think a lot of us don't have in certain ways at the moment. And again, that, that's things that need to come out within people's marketing. You know, we're, we're having to connect with people purely online, really, at the moment. There is none of that face-to-face side of things. But also we need the, the sort of time alone as well, which I think is, you know, I, I work better on my own, sort of lock myself in a darkened room to get my head down and focus on the words. I, I, that doesn't come out for me in a kind of open office environment. Um, but equally, when you've got too much of that time, I think, you know, you then need that social interaction to give you a sort of boost again, you know, to give you the, the ideas and the innovation. So it's all about balance. And uh, again, I've lost my thread for where I was going from with that. But yeah, I think it's that, that connection. We need that connection. And it does need to be face-to-face, a percentage of it. Yeah, I do think that's one of the key things with, for example, networking, um, and in particular networking. Uh, and I was speaking to Aaron uh, Taft from Carthy Accountants about it the other day. And it was, you know, at the minute, we're all at home, either with families or not. And, you know, you're not going out and meeting your clients or you're not going out and meeting anyone. So, you know, those every other, or for some people doing other networking groups every week, yeah. meeting, even when they're online at the minute, I think you're totally right. And it's that we are social creatures and we need that kind of, constant reminder that we kind of have people around us that we can speak to Um, it's very easy to just get bogged down with work working ridiculous amount of hours and you know it's going to be weird when we come out of this and then we have to start seeing people (laughs) we've got to learn another way haven't we we've got to learn how to go back to normal (laughs) a certain level of normal yeah yeah so if you had to give someone three tips um to write in good copy what would they be oh, speak to your existing customers and find out why they deal with you and what they see as your benefits and why they came to you and didn't go to a competitor because that's straight from the horse's mouth then as to what you know your your selling points are really never talk about you have a look at anything that's ever been written for the company and if you use the words we and your scratch them out rewrite the whole sentence and start with you and i think the other thing is find out what pains the customer has got and then address those pains with the solution that you provide can i say a fourth you can bring a bit of personality in there (laughs) use some emotional words i think um that ties in with what i spoke to someone else about recently which was uh photos mm. uh, and i'm a bit of a hypocrite for saying it but don't use stock photos because yeah. you know for my clients i will not use any stock photos on uh their websites on their social media however for us because we're when we're out filming we don't have anyone filming us or taking photos yeah. of us. So we haven't got that many, to be honest. We've got the films that we've created for our clients and we've got the photos that we've taken for our clients. But I would say one thing, and it's kind of a do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Um, tied in with what Anna's saying regarding make it personal, take away the stock photos and whether it is acting out a scene. You know, we've had people who work in kind of confidential consulting environments. So what we've done is we've used another one of our clients' offices for them to go in, consult as if they're consulting with that client, but it's actually all just an act. 
I won't name the company, but you know, there's a someone similar industry to us in marketing who has done the same thing using their networking group. They brought them into the office as if they're clients. Some of them are actually clients, and they've done interviews as if it was the first meeting, etc. Yeah. And to a new person landing on that website, they're going to think, "Oh well, obviously I've got clients." Where if you're if you've got loads of stock photos and it doesn't seem personal, people are going to be already on the back step and not want to or not think that they can trust you. Um, yeah, and because I think sometimes it, it's, um, it gives the opinion of a bit of a faceless company as well if it's not something that's personal. And I think certain industry sectors need that personality more than others. You know, your financial industry, for example, there's a massive amount of trust involved there and a potential client wants to see who they're going to be dealing with. And just seeing happy, smiley faces or, you know, whether it's staged or not, seeing something in situ just helps to, helps the customer or the reader, the the person that's viewing the site or the the literature, it just helps them to connect with that company and that person. They get a bit of a feel for the the culture of the, you know, the company, if you like. So, yeah, I think that's very important. And with the technology that you've got now, just having some tips of being shown how to use your phone the right way. I know Steve Cranston offers that, doesn't he? The iPhoneography type course is just knowing how to get the best sort of look and feel and where to stand to get the best light. It doesn't have to cost you a fortune either, does it, to get those photos? No, absolutely. Even with video, that's something Steve's covering now, which is traditionally if you wanted to get a testimonial video, you would have to bring the client into a studio or bring along a camera crew or at least a specialist, a producer or a filmmaker, bring them to the premises, do the video, and then you've had to you know, take up that client's time, take up your time and pay that person, say, a grand or two grand for the videos yeah. on that day. Where now, stuff like what Steve Cranston's talking about, and we'll put his details here somewhere, but you can take those photos and videos on your phone now just as good as what they could do originally. And then you can still send them to an editor who can do B-roll, et cetera, so overlay videos throughout the video and make it look amazing for you or just even just post the raw video because if it's been kind of done naturally, people, again, will trust that Mm -hmm. again. um, Obviously, it does look more professional when you get it done, well, professionally and edited up well, but you know equally it's more authentic if it's just the raw version yeah yeah you you just reminded me then by saying about you know editing the the video side another massive recommendation for for copy as well in writing things is get a second pair of eyes to look at it you know proofreading is so important because your mind's eye knows what you want to write and you're guaranteed always miss something (laughs) that's you know just a, a typo like a there or a there or a, you know an hour and an hour uh, Mine, and mine's a there, another. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is certain things that to this date I always struggle to spell receipt always and it's you know it's kind of I before you except after C type I think isn't it but you know at 50% of the time I think oh no, no. <laughs> you have to go back for it so I think that's a really good point, actually, because a lot of design agencies, if they haven't got copywriters in-house, they'll actually say to the client, 
who you know might be a builder or might be a sports scientist and you know are used to just writing really quickly or don't have much time yeah and i get them to proofread it and nine times out of ten the person will go yeah it's fine because they don't want to read about themselves or about yeah. what they just what they're buying they just look at the design and go yeah that's cool yeah so actually you know getting someone like yourselves to proofread that over even if it has been written by someone else or been written by that company mm. um i think that's that's vital because even you know when i'm reading something on behalf of someone else if it's a long document I'm just skim reading yeah I'm not probably not taking the time I should but that's because I've got a million other things that I need to do yeah Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to spend an hour hour and a half on this document making sure that it's that it's written perfectly yeah I think people underestimate the importance of, of redrafting things you know when you write a piece take a blog article for example you write a first draft that is really only the first draft. You, you then need to put it down for a few hours, possibly even come back to it the next day, and then copy edit it. Mm. And by doing that, really, you can strip out a lot of the words that are unnecessary, make it sound more succinct. And then after you've done that, then comes the proofreading stage. So, you know, it's not as simple, really, as just getting a couple of paragraphs down and bash, bosh, and you're done. You know, there's there's a bit more in, involved to it. I mean, you know, I'm a copywriter. I write the words, but I've also got a proofreading that I get to look over my stuff as well, because I think it's always important to have those second pairs of eyes and a, and a professional proofreader. They go through a process where, I guess, you could say like a line editor. You know, proofreading in its art form, every word will be read on its own, and it'll be read backwards as well, because that's easy then to spot repetition. Um, typos, punctuation errors, that sort of thing, and so so underestimated when when it comes to the written word. Yeah, and I think typos as well. I mean, I've seen typos on websites which you know, I've I've informed the person of, and it's like I proofread that twice. Yeah, and it's like yeah, because that's when you proofread it yourself. You read in, and I think it's is it like the first first and last or first two and last two letters is what determines the word. The bit in the middle can be whatever because you just yeah. you're not reading or reading each word so yeah i think they'd spell like building wrong or something like mm. with two hours or something yeah and i spotted it because i was a new reader and i was like that doesn't look like that word doesn't look right and because it was in bold and, and it's just that you know if i was if i was actually looking to use their services i would be a bit like well why am i going to trust them to do that when it's in the same sector yeah. that you know is kind of with copy etc yeah and they haven't even kind of looked at you know getting it proofread or anything like that and it's yeah. you know well they just did it in-house so you know it's not a case of that is what they're like they're a very credible company but those little key mistakes as such can turn customers away and go elsewhere yeah. there's a lot of competition yeah um especially, especially when you're charging premium prices you need to have everything spot on yeah, it's the quality control stage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you're a bit lapsy-daisy in that area, or you're going to be lapsy-daisy in another area, and you just don't want to fall down on any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that a lot of people will want to know is what determines a good blog post over a poorly written blog post. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one thing that I personally get asked a lot from clients when I'm saying, you know, we need to look at someone writing these blog posts, they're like, can't you do it? I'll, I'll pay you for it. I'm like, well, no, because I'm not, 
you know, I'm not a copywriter who's focusing on SEO ranking or anything like that in order to to get those blog posts to actually be credible because a lot of people write blog posts and they'll sit there. It's very unlikely that anyone will actually go into a blog feed when they've landed on a website and read loads of blogs. It's about finding that page based on the blog. So yeah. in terms of actually the copywriting then, what determines a good blog post over a badly or poorly written blog oh. post? Um, good question. I know again, you could do this over an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, again, I, I think addressing some of those key points that we touched on earlier, really, about you know what is the intent of, of the person coming to the blog. So I think a, a blog, a blog's purpose is for a, a couple of reasons, really. One is the SEO, obviously, because not everybody that visits the website is going to come in on the homepage and then you try and find the blog to read more. So thinking about the keyword phrases that you shape a blog around is important for the blog to be found. But also, you know, it's, it's more of a long form version of, of content. So you can really go in depth about a topic. And I think that the people that are reading blog articles, they are already interested in that subject matter. It's not something that you are going to, to get them interested in when they read it for the first time. They are looking for some more information on that subject so i think you know it, it helps you to stand out as an expert in your field puts the business or the person on the pedestal a little bit more but i think you you kind of need to think about how you're structuring the blog article so you read a, a, a you know, really strong headline that entices the person in and you know i've got some examples of things that, that make good headlines and i revisit that every so often and I've also got um, an online tool where I can put the headline in that I've done to give me a sort of percentage as to how successful it's it's going to be and then the first sentence really just needs to hook the audience it sort of needs to tell the person what is the blog going to cover so you know are there some solutions to things or is it a listicle type blog where you're going to give you know 10 top tips to achieving xyz at the end of it and I think it's following that sort of structure and then answering the questions. And at the end, you know, ask a question of some sort so that people can then respond in some way. Or again, thinking about, well, what do you want the person to do at the end of the blog once they've read it? Do you want them to share it? Do you want them to connect to you? What is it that you want? But I mean, I, when I approach blogs, I always try and work with people on a more than just an ad hoc basis and then we look at you know well what questions are the customers asking and how can we develop those questions by a series of blog articles and there's also a fair amount of tools out there that you can research the kind of questions that people are asking about subject matters industries that sort of thing so that you, you know you can make a blog title and topic really current to what the customer's looking for i guess a poor blog would just be to think oh i've got an idea let's write about it but it might not be anything that the customer is interested in, you know, so you're kind of going on a bit of a scattergun or a whim approach. Yeah, I think that's, well, obviously that's what you do, but you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, <laughs> one thing I was wondering, and it might not be a trend just yet, but videos in blogs, mm -hmm. they help with ranking. Because obviously if I've written or someone's written the same blog post as I have, or say you've written it for me and another copywriter's written that, if I had a video in that in my blog post, is that going to set me higher than the competition who hasn't? Well, you're using richer forms of uh, media then in your blog article, aren't you? So that's going to help you with the search engines because you've got the video on there. 
Plus, you know, it's you're probably hosting the blog on, uh, sorry, the video on YouTube, so you're going to be found in the, the world's second largest search engine, as well as just the, the search listings. So, yeah, definitely. And I think also if you're using, you know, if you're breaking up your text with regular graphics, you've got some video in there, you're also addressing the different learning styles of people. So, you know, you, you're kind of, you're, you're hitting everybody with how they want to learn. Some people will prefer to read, some people will be the scanners, like you said, some people prefer to watch something and they'll learn more from that. I think the other important thing to mention there, and you'll probably know a bit more about this than me from the social media side, but also having the, having the video or having the subtitles on the video as well, so that people read them, you know, with the mute, with the mute button on too. So yeah, definitely. Especially for social media, yeah, like it does take longer, more time. However, it is very valuable and there are people who will do that for you. Um, yeah. And personally, you know, we've been writing subtitles for a while and I think Katie does subtitle ad hoc, yeah. doesn't she? Yeah. Nimble uh, Film Chick, yeah. Katie Nuttall from Nimble Film Chick. If you need subtitle work doing, speak to Katie because personally, it takes me loads of time to do subtitles and I will be outsourcing that because... You know, when we're posting, I don't know, three videos a week and those videos in terms of the raw video hasn't got subtitles, but in terms of if someone would do that for us, that would be great. Or, you know, if you post on Facebook, it has auto-generate, but make sure you go in and adjust the subtitles because unless you speak the Queen's English to the point, you will, you will, yeah, someone yeah. About it. I wouldn't like <laughs> putting them out in business. <laughs> so difficult for those Glaswegians out there then. <laughs> yeah, you've got to speak so clear. Um, I've got some funny examples actually, but we won't go. <laughs> um, it's a bit like predictive text, isn't it? <laughs> didn't say that. <laughs> well, like the new, um, the new car automated speaking stuff. <laughs> the Take car? Yeah, yeah. With, with cars now with the... Um, like, hey, Mercedes is one of them. Um, it just gets it wrong every time. <laughs> <laughs> I always quite find it hilarious how my sat nav says Derby. Does it say Derby? Derby. Derby. Yeah. I'm not sure that would work in a... But that is probably the way that robots have to understand words. Uh, because yeah. a Derby... In terms of if, if you were saying it to a, a young child to spell it, they would spell it D-A-R. Mm. But it's not, so that's just... Yeah, very true. Yeah, it's like uh, Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury, isn't it? Where you scone and scone. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's you, you were just saying then about, you know, the, yeah, I guess when the artificial intelligence speaks something you, you do have to be so accurate and it's it's another point that's quite relevant I suppose for writing copy as well you know there's there's only certain sectors out there that need to be very technical in the way that the wording is written you know you really do need to dumb down language a lot when you're writing there uh, when you're writing business copy because the customers don't know the whole process of how something is put together and you know they really don't need to be knowing about the specialisms of this that and the other because they just want to know that it works 
Um, and that's another area where I think some businesses fall down on. They're used to speaking to each other in, in technical speak because they know their stuff. But then when it comes to talking to the customer, it's like, no idea what you've just said. Just tell me what it does and what it can do for me. Yeah, because I used to work in, in sales two years ago or so. And there was one lad who, same sales team, so there was myself, assistant manager, and then a lad who was about 23, 24. And he was extremely intelligent in the subject, but kind of too intelligent, if you're with me. So it went from the point that if you were trying to impress someone who knew as much as you, they'd be like, wow, you know your stuff. But the average customer looking to buy that product, it was just far too much information. And they were like, you know, by after about a minute's time, they were already like, well, you know, you bored me because yeah. that's not what they know. And it's, yeah. I think one of the best things with, especially website copy, is having that initial kind of preview of mm-hmm. what it's about and then that learn more section, whether it's a drop down or it's a light box or a separate page. Yeah. And then as well, if it's a separate page, and it's one thing I believe in quite heavily is that you can then track how many people land on that learn more page mm. so you can see what your customer wants. Mm. Because one thing with like people posting on YouTube, people posting on Facebook, Instagram, they don't look at what their audience actually wants. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I believe, the most important thing with growing, whether it be personal brands or company brands, is you, know, you need to know exactly what your customer wants. If you're putting loads of information on your page and people are clicking off instantly then you know test you know screenshot that page or duplicate that page use less information and use to learn more and see if it changes anything i was reading the other day and i went on to the company enticed me and i went on to the about section because i wanted to learn more about the company's background before i do anything work with them and the about section and it, it might it's just the way that i think but you know the paragraph was so close together that, you know, when I'm reading on a computer screen, that would be fine in a book, but because I'm reading on a glary computer yeah. screen, I was like, it was hurting my eyes after line three, and I was like, you know, I just clicked off. Yeah. I think that's the way you've got to look at, you know, if you were looking at your website as your customer, would you buy from, from you? Yeah. Uh, I think that's one thing people forget quite a lot to do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They they sort of once the site's up there, they tend to oh, it's there now. Let's just forget about it, and it never gets revisited. And yeah, I think it's important to know what pages are working properly, which ones are actually getting the traffic, and then they're as you say, they're moving forward to find out more, which are doing nothing. So then, you know, if they're not doing anything, then how can you rewrite those, or how can you lay them out? I think it's important what you said there about you know the text being so close together because. Nobody wants to come and struggle to read something um, or have, you know, be faced with six paragraphs of text. There's no subheadings, there's no images or anything like that because it's just, it's overload. We can't, we're kind of, we, you know, before computers and layout and design and all that, we were used to the written word in a book, weren't we? You know, look at how tiny the Bible's written. I'm not religious or anything, but it's just popped into my head then. I remember this little one that um, used to be in the house when I was a kid. But, I mean, you've got to be a a serious kind of person to sit through and read that kind of thing now. It's, you you know, you you need things to be broken up. It needs to be digestible in chunks. Chunk it up. 
and visual as well. And I think that's mm. one thing that a copywriter can help with is that, you know, your design or marketing agency can do the graphics, but then the copywriter, I think it's one thing that will end up being a lot more towards the way you, you, you operate if you haven't already gone that way is that, you know, people want to read less information, see the images and then have that learn more option. Yeah. So being able to put across the message in like, you know, literally a paragraph or well, a short paragraph is really important. Yeah. Um, and I mean, from personal point of view with our website, we used to have social media marketing and it would literally be like really lengthy because we wanted to rank in Stafford. Um, mm. We didn't rank in Stafford, but we weren't getting any conversions. We'd have a paid social media section, which again, we'd rank on but we wouldn't get anywhere in, in, in uh, we wouldn't get any customers. We'd have a web design section, which at that point we were doing web design. Now we refer them and a design section as well. And it was like all of these points, they were great because, you know, they were making us rank, but we weren't getting anything from them. So we yeah. did a full redesign and our service page now has all four things in less space than what was on our social yeah. media section. Yeah. Uh, and that's just because we've now got, you know, this is what social media marketing is. This is what video marketing, this is how you can learn more about what that industry means. Mm. And then that's where we've got the, you know, basically about what that, what it does and what it, how it can help a business rather than, you know, what we do as a company, our process, et cetera. Because our process is the same whether you choose us for social media marketing, paid advertising, it's very, very similar. And, you know, we just want to have phone calls with people. We don't want to, them to have to read to our website for five hours yeah and, uh, <laughs> yeah so. i think yeah it's it's important for i mean i i work best when i work with web developers that we've actually you know we can communicate about what's needed on that same level and we bounce ideas off each other so you know the copywriter can help the web designer and the web designer can help the copywriter and how everything looks you know that that kind of look and feel of everything and, and I think to to almost have those two functions working apart some it'll be to the detriment of something somewhere um, you know you sometimes the web designer will say oh provide me a copy and then I'll, I'll do the web the, the web design and then you know the opposite way around for it well I'll do the web design and then you do the copy it, it's kind of needs to be a bit of a joint a joint effort, I find, um, and I always find that things turn out better if you're able to work that way, you know, in conjunction with the with the other creatives, really, and share ideas and make it just, uh, you know, work so much better for the client at the end. I totally agree that my website has been redone at the moment. I've got my homepage, it's got sections, so the copywriting, the copy editing, the proofreading, tiny little paragraph about what it is, you know, very emotive, sort of connects to the customer, read more then take them to another page or contact us now sort of thing. So, you know, it addresses the people that, yeah, that gets what I want. Let's send them an email. Let's pick up the phone. Or oh, I'm not quite sure. Let me actually just read a little bit more. So it addresses, you know, the needs of both types of customer, really. Yeah, no, definitely. The final question I wanted to ask was, what is your highlight of your career at Market Avenue? Oh. Limited. Wow. So far? So far? <laughs> oh, that's a real tough question, Joe. Well, I would say being in business for 11 years is one achievement. <laughs> but as for highlighting something... Um, or one project 
that you love doing and would love to do it again projects i've been doing some work with somebody that does um she sort of does a lot of neuroscience kind of coaching developing that sort of thing i've been doing some some blog articles and some web copy and i find that absolutely fascinating because not only you can you not only am i writing about what the business does i'm also i think you know you get across the psychology of how someone's mind works so you can really write in a way that's going to address 100% the problem that the person is going through because the problems are all up here. So as you're writing, they're, they're connecting with absolutely everything that you're talking about. And I also find that thoroughly interesting for me because I do quite like psychology and you know, I like that kind of stuff. I think you know, mental health is extremely important. So that as a project, as a, a sort of a topic to work on. I love it. Oh, and another one other thing from way back, probably about five years ago, I won't mention who it is because they're quite a big company now, but I wrote a menu for them. So descriptions of desserts. And that was just brilliant because uh, I went into one of the stores and had a tasting session <laughs> before I started writing the copy. So I was, I was, I got given all these cakes and waffles and all sorts of things. So yeah, I could taste them then. Obviously what I was tasting was coming out in the salivating, talking about it <laughs> was coming out in the words that I was, I was writing about. So that, that was, that was, that was great. Cause um, I was able to just be, I, I like writing quirky copy and you know there's there's a place for that that tone of voice doesn't suit every type of business that's where i feel most comfortable so that that project for me was just brilliant because i could just you know i was going off the scale with how somebody tasted something and <laughs> i could admit yeah it is compulsory when you've got anyone in food industry or, or any industry that you have to test the product free requests from now on <laughs> In a, serious, in a serious note, though, it is actually really important um, because it's hard to write or talk or sell something that you've never tried. Yeah. Um, a lot of my clients, and it's not even on my request. I mean, I do sway it a little bit, but, you know, I want to be able to feel or go through the process if, yeah. as I was buying that project. Yes, with someone like interior designers, they can't design me a kitchen, but yeah. we went through the process. <laughs> You can actually find it on our website. We, instead of actually, obviously going through the process of building a kitchen, he built us a kitchen cabinet in about 40 minutes or something that we filmed that then we could wow. display to the client. Yeah. As you know, this is the de attention to, to detail that goes into one kitchen cabinet. Imagine yeah. your kitchen as a whole. And it's just that perceived value you just shot through the roof. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. People, you just remove those objections of, oh, well, why don't I go and get a Wren kitchen? Well, because, mm. you know, the kitchens that these guys are, are designing and offering are, well, to whatever you want to have at the end of the day. Bespoke to what you want. And, yeah, and I think I know what company you're talking about there. And I've been into his factory as well and seen where a lot of the stuff is put together. And, and you know, you can just tell that it's quality stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what you need to get over onto the, the marketing um, collateral don't you it does just need to you know because you you not everyone's there in person it needs to come out in what you're reading and in what you're seeing and yeah it's i think it's that's a really 
good point because I think some customers, when they're outsourcing work to someone like yourself and like me, because they see you as you know being very proficient in what you do, they sometimes think that they don't need to talk about what they do. And, and that's the worst thing, really, that they can do. I do remember working on a project once, and I personally felt as though I did a good job, but the guy wouldn't give me any time or day to answer any of my questions. Um, and for me, finding out what a company does, you know, I ask questions so that I, you know, they talk to me and I just listen. My job is just to listen and absorb and be a sponge in, in everything about that, that business and, you know, get the culture, get what it is that they do, what the benefits are, why they're different. And the guy wouldn't give me any time, the time or day. And I got given a couple of brochures from competitors and get on with it. Well, I did the best I could, but, you know, it's, think, you, you do more, need that. Marketing people will be nodding their heads right now because <laughs> I think that's just the case. Where they, they ought, customers automatically think, and if any people are looking to join, I would say, honestly, if you can set, you know, a small amount of time aside to focus on that it will you know you'll reap the rewards later on because you know there's only so much that like myself can do Robert Redbox can do yourself mm. without having and even even one of those if we're collaborating having met the person so they can display that tone of voice yeah or describe in more detail from a customer point of view what that customer's actually getting yeah. Because uh, unless they've got video testimonials and processes from a previous web developer, it's very difficult to actually understand what they're selling and why they're selling yeah. it. Mm. I had a client that I actually went to a trade show with him. And up until that trade show, we were getting still good results. But I went to that trade show and I helped him sell his product mm. and listened to him selling his product. And then I was like, I could sell this for him as well. Then all of since then, I can now easily sell his product in every single post. Yeah. We did a mailing list last week that for the year will turn out for him about eight grand for the year I'll off one you. free mailing list on MailChimp. Yeah. Mm. And that's because now I've got to the point with him where I know his tone of voice. It sounded like it came from him. He didn't even know it was going out. Uh, <laughs> he just saw loads of gift cards being uh, purchased and, uh, and coffees. And then, and then yeah, um, that was successful. So... And he's one who gives me time of day. Yeah. And if you get, can get someone to give you the time of day and that customer is willing to, and I won't really work with anyone who won't give me at least, you know, half an hour to an hour a month. Yeah. Because it's just not for me. Yeah. Because I'm there sending questions constantly and it's just not enjoyable because I'm like, I'm running out of content. Can we book a content yeah. day? Because it's hard work then, isn't it? And, you know, as, as someone that's doing the work for someone, you, you don't feel very valued for it and you know stuff changes as well I think that's that's another key thing you know a company um I mean, well look at the last six months uh, six weeks businesses aren't the same as what they were six weeks ago are they stuff changes so you do need that regular conversation with people that you work with to get the most out of what you're doing for them you can still do stuff for them and you can still do a reasonably good job but it could be better if you have that communication yeah. and that that kind of mutual understanding, I think. Mm. Yeah, I was talking to, um, to Andy yesterday when he was uh, doing some culture coaching with me. And one of the things he was like, think back to four weeks ago when I went to uh, their staff morning meeting and uh, it was just as this kicked off. Uh, I think it was the week, the week that they said we were going into lockdown. There was yeah. a meeting and I walked in and I'd, I'd like had 
three clients or four clients pause their contracts for that yeah. uh, for that time that you know one of them is actually joined back up because they want to communicate with their audience and the other ones will are looking to join back up as soon as possible because it's all it's all calmed down again now and you know he was like you were literally your head was in your hands and you were like don't know where to go and anyone watching short term what i'd say is just you know look positively and communicate with your clients yeah uh, you know you don't need to turn around to your clients and go you know let's pause the contract because that's just going to put you in a bad situation look yeah. at how you can support them mm. and the way that i see things now is that you know anyone i work with how can i support them right now mm. you know yes yes you haven't got that income but how can we get you an income as a yeah. result of social media yeah i think that's that has gone off on a bit of a tangent but it is important in anything you do is mm. to focus on how you can help people and ultimately just be just be a nice nice person who delivers on what they say they're going to deliver yeah definitely and that, that comes down to sort of being pretty sort of pretty spot on with what your your value proposition is really to what you're offering to your customers and yes you, you know you'll have to adapt and you'll have to change and how that looks but really the core reason is to why someone is in business and you know why they're offering the products and services that they are always remains the same really and yeah i think to go through this period now you really can tell those people that you know care about the customers and what they do because they are the ones that are adapting changing offering extra stuff you know they they are make going over and above making an effort and providing advice and guidance and, and the other people that perhaps I don't want to sound too negative, but maybe are just about all the profits and just getting as most as they can. I, I think that they're, they're not quite seeing the the, 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 op, the opportunities in what we're going through, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I've not ambulance chased at all. Mm. And I think people that I'm seeing as well, especially in networking, who are in a similar position to me, have just been providing solutions. Mm rather than offering i've seen people offering like linkedin training and all of that when they've they've never even posted on anyone's linkedin before other than themselves yeah. yeah and i think that's wrong because you can't tell someone until you really know the subject in my opinion anyway mm. it's like me going and advising like copywriting mm. exactly to the boat and that's why i did this this podcast was because you know yes i can write okay copy but if someone asked me, can you do copywriting ad hoc? I would say, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, but we copyright all the posts, but we will never do a full website because that's not what I like doing and that's yeah. not what I'm about. And I think you just stick to what exactly you know. And that's where a lot of freelancers go wrong is because they try and do this thing. And I did it when I started. I want a full-blown agency like Vistaprint with printing that does everything. Yeah. And even Vistaprint's quality is not great. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that we aim to be is a highly, well, really high quality agency that is focused on social media marketing, mm. not like web design and all of the other, other industries. Because I believe that, yes, if you've got a team of 200 people, you can deliver on that or a team of mm. 50. But if you've got a team of like five, six, 10, it's very difficult to offer a perfect service yeah. in each, in every single industry. Yeah, it is. If you can just focus on what you're good at and, and what you enjoy as well, because I think with agencies, you know, there'll be certain things that are enjoyed and then others that just feel as though 
certain services need to be offered because it's under the agency hat. Yeah, just for, I mean, my, my background is marketing, so I'm fully trained in traditional and online marketing. But for me personally, didn't get a kick out of doing all the strategy side and the planning side and that sort of thing. I like the creative side where you can, you know, just writing the words and getting really stuck into that and doing a good job of that rather than worrying about the rest of it. So, you know, there is other people like marketing um, consultants who really enjoy the strategy and the planning side and then, you know, we can go and help support them to deliver that in in the once you know the strength where we are definitely yeah i think that's a good a good way to end and i know you've got somewhere to be just after this so um so thank you for <laughs> somewhere uh, to be inside i might ask i'm not <laughs> <Yeah>. going anywhere <laughs> another different type of conference call thank you for joining me today anyway anna I'm going to go do the outro anyway. I tell people that I'm going to do the outro. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's just a bit, weird, a bit weird on Zoom. But no, thank you for joining me. And anyone who is watching and thinking, you know what? Yes, I need to sort on my copy. Uh, Anna's details will be on the video anyway. Uh, and we'll also put them in the links as well. Um, so feel free to contact her. She says she, her website isn't, doesn't exactly represent her brand currently. However, it is being redone, so uh, don't trust exactly what you see on the website. So for a lot more. Uh, she that is terrible, much. doesn't it? No, yeah, I didn't word that really badly. Hence why you should use a copywriter, not me. <laughs> it's, 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 been, it's been redeveloped at the moment, just so it focuses more on the three main services, copywriting, copy editing, proofreading. At the moment, there's other stuff on there that I don't do anymore. So no, it doesn't really paint a picture for exactly where we can help, but it has been developed. The visuals are there. It, hopefully the next week it'll be. Perfect. Live. Well, it might be up. Go and check anyway, because I don't know when this is going to be out. Um, it might be out in three weeks. It might be out next week. Well, I shall <laughs> let you know when it's out, when, when my website's live, so that might help. But no, I've enjoyed it, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Not a problem. Well, enjoy your day. And everyone else, enjoy your days too. And thanks. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you.